Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer is at the 38th annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco, where he'll have a host of CEO interviews uh, today and all week long, including an exclusive with Bristol Myers later on this hour. Futures are solid as we start a big week with earnings, of course, uh, phase one signing, lots of eco data. Our roadmap this morning begins with trade optimism reigniting the record rally. Stocks are set for a higher open as this Chinese delegation heads to D.C. today for for an expected phase one signing on Wednesday. Plus, new CEO, but same crisis. What to expect from Boeing's new chief executive, David Calhoun, who takes over today, and of course, the future of the 737 MAX. And then there were four. Alphabet, now nearing the trillion dollar market cap club behind Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. Stocks are looking to recoup some of their losses from Friday, a day in which the Dow did surpass 29K for the first time before finishing in the red. All three major indices are in the green since the beginning of the year, led by the Nasdaq's 2% gain. And as they were just saying on Squawk a few moments ago, uh, Jim, if Lululemon is any clue as to what we're going to get this earnings season, maybe this rally has been justified. We got two conferences this week, the important ICR conference. Think about it as consumer in Orlando. And we've got this conference out in San Francisco, healthcare. They're being used to be able to say better than expected, better than expected. And a lot of companies saying, listen, those old estimates, we got to throw them away. Things are really, really cooking. So it does add to the upward momentum. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of it here. All right. We're going to watch healthcare, of course. That's a big part of it. But banks are the other big part. And already the street continues to give Goldman some uh, props. JMP upping Goldman to outperform even as they cut uh, Morgan Stanley, Jim. So what's important as we get into tomorrow? Look, I think that Goldman, we're, we're forgetting the fact that there's a China deal on Wednesday. Hey, What an idea. Listen to this. How about Apple and Goldman, which right now have a credit card that's only in the United States? How about if they got permission to be able to float that in China? Just an individual Goldman to Chinese using an Apple card embedded base. You know what? That's worth about $30, $40 per share. Hmm. I don't know if that's happening anytime soon. Hi, Jim. David? Yes. You think I floated that idly, right? You think Jimmy Chill floated that idly? <laughs> no, I know you've been, you were very focused for a very long time. Really, you're turning the other way on me? Uh, on the Amex. Well, yeah, um, because well, uh, it's a China podcast. Approval, you don't have to worry. I'm not insulting you. Which they, which they got, well, right? And I know you were very focused on that for quite some time as being sort of a, a key uh, sign that tensions were starting to abate. You got it, partner. 
Okay, that's how we're going to play it today. Uh, speaking of Apple, Jim, uh, D.A. Davidson does go to a street high, 375 now. Apple is having its best 12-month return since the end of the crisis. Uh, the title of their report is Five Good Reasons Why There's Still Gas in the Tank, and the five good is, uh, is a play on 5G, where we're going to pay a lot more attention in the months to come. This is the year of 5G. Tim Cook was at the... Uh when, uh, the introduction of the 11 uh, in New York, and a lot of people fear, figured the 11 was just a big yawner, uh, no much more than the 10, which people didn't catch fire with. You know what? This is very different. It turned out to be a step function. It turns out to be much hotter than everybody else has. It turned out to be, to me, uh, death knell of Samsung, 99% customer satisfaction. You can't beat it. And this is what surprised people. What I have in my hand is why people have to raise numbers. It is extraordinary. And nobody thought that there could be another, uh, let's just say, uh, new product. But the uh, the AirPod, you get the ears, people listening, people nose cancellation, nose cancellation, the watch. It all turned out to be different, Carl. It all turned out to be bigger than expected. And no one saw it coming, except for maybe Tim Cook. Called the move up, and, and, and as we pointed out, not just shares of Apple, of course, but we mentioned uh, Alphabet at the top of the broadcast approaching a trillion dollars, and Facebook is already up over 6% as well. Uh, those, at least, that part of FANG. Netflix itself, more, more or less, more in line with the market in terms of its gains so far this year. Uh, but the, the accretion of market cap to these three of the largest market cap companies in the world has been extraordinary over the first week or so of trading, Jim. Yeah, look, I think that what another thing that surprised people is that Facebook has levitated here. Uh, there's another note out this morning, uh, raising price Facebook, raising, raising target. Why is that? Because people are saying that the Instagram ad business is better than expected. We've got, uh, we haven't seen Amazon. Um, Amazon's been the law guard. I, I, Wilf was on this morning. Uh, and I do think that Alphabet is the one that's surprising. That's Thomas Kurian. That's the belief that the cloud is really a, going to be a major mover for Alphabet. No one saw that coming except for the people who know Kurian, who is just such a strong guy. He's running that division. It's changing the way we think of Alphabet. Uh, so there is just a lot of momentum. And don't, uh, if you do fang, obviously Apple is, is the leader. Yeah. Uh, to Jim's point, Oppie takes uh, Alphabet to 1600 today. Uh, they were at 1350. And then on Facebook, Evercore does go to 280 uh, from 235. So we'll watch both of those names. Uh, it is David Calhoun's first day on the job as Boeing CEO. Of course, he's facing a lot of challenges regarding the 737 MAX. In an email to employees, he writes, this is a crucial time for Boeing. We have work to do to uphold our values and to build on our strengths. I see greatness in this company, but I also see opportunities to be better, much better. That includes engaging one another and our stakeholders with greater transparency, holding ourselves accountable to the highest standards of safety and quality, and incorporating outside in perspective on what we do and how we do it, Jim. That follows this uh, page one story in the Times on Saturday in which they basically describe the culture there as being sick, uh, in which engineers were torn between wanting to recommend sim training for their uh, customers, pilots, and financial pressures not to do so. Look, I think that there's this interlude uh, where Greg Smith, who is the CFO, uh, was the CEO. And during that interlude, we saw what Greg wanted. Greg wanted simulation. Why did he want simulation? Because the max turned out to be, at least for people overseas who may not be uh, 3,000-hour people like the U.S., the max was different. 
And I think that Dennis, re- uniquely, Dennis Bullenberg was hoping that they would not have to say, listen, you got to be on a simulator because guys in America who fly 3,000 hours, they wanted no part of a, simu- of a simulator. That's all changed. I think that interlude, they took a lot of hits. I think Calhoun is blessed by just kind of a kitchen sink, sink period where Boeing got it together trying to have no more leaks. I think that if we could just stop the leaks about something, you know, everything bad, uh, and that during that interlude, I think a lot of hits were taken. Now Calhoun has to start brooming people and saying this is the new Boeing. Brooming people is of the essence here. Of course, we got news of Muhlenberg's severance, or lack of it, on Friday. Uh, he's still entitled to $62 million. And then a little M&A in the wake of all this regarding suppliers, dude. Yeah, it's not really connected specifically to the troubles at Boeing, the idea that you perhaps would force consolidation among some of their suppliers. But we do have a fairly large merger of equals this morning. We'll see how the stocks perform when the, uh, when the open comes uh, roughly 20 minutes from now. But Woodward and Hexel getting together. Woodward shareholders alone, 55% of the company. There's not a lot of synergy per se, because it's not like they do the same thing. One is about composite materials, um, advanced materials and components. So, you know, one will make the rotor, the other will make the rotor blades, one will make the actuator, the other will actually make the composites that go into the wing itself. But it is, Jim, a part of the efforts by Boeing and Airbus to continue to pursue efficiency in terms of lighter weight planes, planes that can move faster with less fuel, uh, and therefore, uh, sort of, they have the same teams that will approach these companies in terms of efficiencies, and now they're going to be able to present these together as a product portfolio. And perhaps you could imagine in the future, they start to work on things that are like the smart wing of the future, so to speak. Uh, the financials, though, look pretty good for the combination. We'll keep an eye on, uh, eye on shares of both Hexel and Woodward. One interesting note here, uh, Woodward's CEO was on the board of Hexel. I'm not sure I've seen that before. That's how they kind of started talking. He was a board member of the company. <laughs> sort of surprising. Uh, but, Jim, overall, in the numbers themselves, uh, you know, you're talking about a company that's going to have $5.3 billion of revenue, uh, $1.1 billion of EBITDA, uh, and uh, they're going to only be levered at 1.4 times. So they also are instituting a billion-and-a-half share buyback that will take place over the first 18 months after close. Again, we'll keep an eye on two companies. Frankly, you don't hear a lot about, but they're going to be one fairly soon. Makes a lot of sense to me. Remember, Honeywell had been acquired to be able to own as much as the cockpit they can. Uh, we saw the same thing with, with Rockwell, uh, with United Technologies. These are smaller companies. The co- composite, remember, composite was a big problem for the Dream, for the Dreamliner. Uh, that's been yeah. solved. So I think that these companies are natural just in terms of being able to have some some power in that partner's uh, position that Boeing, that McNerney put together. Uh, remember, these guys have all been squeezed over time. When you have a little bit more power, you have a little bit more bargaining, we have a little more bargaining, the margins will go up. I think the move is a brilliant move, even though they are just complementary and not uh, uh, in the same area. Composite, uh, some of the stuff in cockpit, I don't know. Does it work together? I think it works together when Boeing comes calling and saying, listen, you guys have to charge less. They can say, hey, guys, right. we're a little bit bigger than you expected. We're not going to we're not going to just take your pricing. That may be true. Or when Boeing comes calling your Airbus and says, hey, we need it to be lighter, lighter, lighter. Keep taking weight out so that we can um, 
uh, decrease our carbon footprint. One quick M&A note here. Uh, This is, as I said, a merger of equals, 55% owned by uh, uh, Woodward shareholders, 45% by Hexel, split boards. Uh, But this is something we may see more of. Uh, You know, it's hard to pay big premiums when the stocks are at all-time highs, Jim. Uh, And so... This is also, in some ways, a reflection of that. Plus, you keep a balance sheet intact. Nobody's taking on debt or anything like that. Hence, you can go back and buy. You can buy in a lot of stock as a result. I cannot wait for Boeing to do something with that precision cast parts business. It's been great for them. But I got to tell you, I thought the precision cast parts and Hexel would have been a better merger. The uh, Obviously, the board member situation is You mean, is you mean Berkshire? But you you yeah, said Boeing. You mean something. Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah, they, Berkshire, you mean. Uh, Berkshire, yeah. I'm sorry. Berkshire yeah. owns Yeah, Berkshire owns precision cast parts. What have they done, David? What have they done with that other than just... Uh, say, hey, listen, you're a good division. Precision cast parts is supposed to be able to do something. It's been kept very much apart. I'd like to see them do some m and That's interesting, yeah. Uh, we, I remember the deal. It was a typical Berkshire deal, recall. Of course, they keep management in place, essentially. They pay the price, and, and then they move on. But people love working for Berkshire in part, Jim, because they are not. Right. They are able to just follow their own plan and don't really have to worry too much about... Uh, about dealing with the home base, so to speak. Um, but your point's a good one. I, I don't know what, what's going on with precision gas parts in terms of potential uh, uh, consolidation, at least. David, remember uh, when Arconic had something good going with, uh, uh, with parts of planes, and then, I don't know, you had that curious period. This is the, uh, this is the old Alcoa to Arconic. Yes. Curious period where Klaus Kleinfeld was running it, and they overpaid for division. But you know what? They would be integral. I'd love to see something happen there. Uh, but Arconics become quite a mystery. Well, as for Boeing, uh, Mnuchin was on the Sunday shows yesterday and did say that the, the MAX uh, could potentially take 50 basis points off 2020 GDP, which is, Jim, toward the higher end of estimates uh, once economists had started to fold in Boeing into their models late last year. Well, this is the issue, is when is the MAX going to uh, be in air. I think everybody's been way, optim- way too optimistic. Remember, there were people who felt that this thing would be flying last April. I think this is going to be a very big issue that Calhoun is going to address, which is, okay, look, we have done everything you want, but I think the pushback, particularly from the overseas kind of FAAs, is going to be a lot tougher than Boeing expects. I, I think we got to stay on this. I do not see the MAX flying until maybe six months. I know that that's maybe even too optimistic, and that's what I think uh, Secretary Mnuchin is talking about. Yeah, uh, definitely got to pay attention to recertification, uh, resumption of production, and of course, actual return to service uh, in commercial flight. So that's a huge story for 2020. We're going to get Jim's mad dash. We're going to count down to the opening bell, hear more about what he's got planned this week at the J.P. Morgan Health Conference. Uh, We're going to watch some retail. We mentioned Lululemon. Donahoe starts at Nike today. Yep. Five Below is set for its worst day in half a decade on some holiday disappointment, but futures look good. We're back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
We're going to get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange around 12 minutes or so from now. First trading day of the week, of course. Uh, what a year, though, it's been for shares of Tesla so far, Jim. I know that's a focus for you on our cross-country mad dash this morning. David, look, uh, everybody is behind. Now they're starting to catch up to the stock. Opco was behind, and Opco comes out this morning and says, listen, David, 612 price target. Now, what do they know? Actually, uh, their estimate for 2020 is uh, $4 and change is actually below the street. That gives them a chance to be able to raise their estimate, raise the estimates for the year when uh, Tesla reports. David, this is ex- an extraordinary move because a lot of people felt at one point that they had to lose money in 2020. This thing is trading on earnings. I don't think anyone understands. It's trading on earnings, maybe $10 next year. So a, a 600-plus price target by Opco. We're starting to talk about a bump of price target. I believe, David, I believe that someone's going to come up with a $700 price target soon. You do? No, wait. What were the numbers then? What are the? Give me some of the earnings estimates for this year and for next well, year, pe- Jim, if you have them, so I can understand what the multiple is sure. or what maybe. Well, well uh, absolutely. Opco's using $4, you know, around $440. For uh, okay. this year, and then you're going to start talking about $10 for next year. David, $10. And that's because China's coming online. Uh, that's because of, of operating efficiencies. David, the bears, 27% of the float. The bears really don't know what to do. David, it's, it's an earnings story, for heaven's sake. So its, it's earnings are going to more than double from 20 to 21, conceivably, yes. with China coming online and obviously you got increased it, production, despite what we think is increased competition in the market for EV vehicles. We are seeing a, a lack of serious offerings, including, including BMW. David, BMW does not have the car that is like Tesla. Tesla is literally breaking out when it comes to assisted driving. They are so far ahead. This China factory built in 10 months. The best news out of China is going to be Tesla. Uh, They actually have a little period here where you're actually going to be able to get uh, subsidized. But, uh, David, when you start talking about big earnings power, what you start talking about is balance sheet. No longer an issue, David. No longer an issue. It's amazing uh, to watch the run that that stock has had really since the last earnings report. And then, of course, the opening of China. Uh, We should point out Ford numbers in China, not good, but it is the world's largest market for autos by far. And the push, of course, is towards towards EV. Yeah, uh, David, when Ford and GM combined are worth less than twice Tesla, wake me up. I'm sick and tired of hearing stories that the market cap is uh, is, is almost as big as GM and Ford. Well, of course. What kind of year are those companies having? Look at Ford. You want to own Ford? Sold to you. All right. Jim, stay right there. All right. All right. That's it. Don't go anywhere. That's all right. Yeah, you get an all All right. right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It is almost two months, by the way, after... uh, it completed its acquisition of Celgene. So the question is, what is next for Bristol-Myers, Squibb? Stay tuned. Jim has an exclusive interview with the company's CEO. And as we like to remind you, of course, you can watch us live on the go on the CNBC app. Stick around. we got an opening bell nine minutes from now. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. S&P's had uh, weekly gains for six of the past seven weeks. Off to a good start on this Monday morning as a big week is in store, whether it's earnings, China trade, or some eco data. Just a few moments from now, Jim's exclusive with the CEO of Bristol-Myers when Squawk on the Street continues. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell set to ring in about three minutes. Uh, obviously, a big week for the markets as Q4 earnings season will start really tomorrow with the banks. Uh, the Chinese delegation's already en route uh, to the United States for the phase one signing, where Jim uh, Mnuchin did say that the commitments uh, to buy U.S. goods, both ag and otherwise, did not change in the translation, and they are still looking for 40 to 50 billion uh, a year. Uh, we'll find out on Wednesday just what kind of granularity we get in this fact sheet. Yeah, look, China needs our pork. Uh, actually, I maybe end up needing our chicken. I'm talking to Zoetis out here. Zoetis is going to tell a story. Kristen Peck. Kristen Peck is the new CEO. She's going to tell a story, I think, about the fever, African swine fever, and how uh, it has decimated pork in China. A pork buy of tremendous proportions should be in the offing. Um, you know, it is definitely progress when we get this sign. But, but Jim, I, I, when you step back in terms of the relationship between China and the U.S. and the competition between these two great powers, first and second largest economies in the world, of course, uh, it's only going to continue, isn't it? I mean, there is this belief now that we're going to have almost two separate systems uh, as opposed to one, in a sense, two separate economic systems, two ways to look at the world. That's not necessarily going to lead to greater efficiency over time, is it? No, and that's why, remember, there's still a lot of tariffs on the Chinese, more than $300 billion. So, I mean, some people feel we got the cake and eat it, too. We kept the tariffs high, uh, which, you know, the president thinks it puts money in the pocket of the Treasury. And at the same time, we've got some movement by the United States, which just says, OK, listen, we're showing you some good faith. Next, phase two, we've got to see intellectual property uh, being held up in our country. We have to be able to see, David, no more stealing. And so far, that has not been part of the deal. I know that the people in the administration say, okay, enough already. We gave them this goodwill. Now we need to see a change. I don't think the Chinese want to change. I think President Xi is uh, walking a fine line. I think he'd like to see some change. I think that the people who are really in charge of China, back in China, aren't happy and don't want to do any more right now until our tariffs go low. 
going to be a big uh, piece of the discussion, obviously, uh, just how quickly phase two moves along. Let's get to the opening bell here, get the S&P 500 at the CNBC real-time exchange. And the big board, it's the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, at the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ Biotech Index, ringing the bell remotely from the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center in San Francisco. Uh, Jim, right where you are, obviously not, not a coincidence given the events there this week. Maybe just remind viewers why the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference is not just another conference. Yeah, this is the biggest conference. This is the conference at the beginning of the year. Of course, it, it occurs before quarters are reported. If you're telling a story, sometimes you just can't hide it. You have to say how good things are. This has been a place where a lot of big mergers have been announced. It's a place where a lot of new drugs have been announced. Every analyst is here. This is the confab of the year. Uh, and I've got to tell you, what's strange is that the Orlando ICR is occurring at the same time. I think that's a mistake. You see a lot of consumer retail stocks reporting things over there, like 21 below. People aren't focused on 21 below. They used to call it 5 below, but 21 is how much that stock is down on a pre-announcement. The consumer stock's not doing as well, ex-Lulu, and the drug stock's doing incredibly well. I think that, for instance, Dr. Giovanni Cafario, if he wants to, he could say, look, the numbers are better. I'm going to try to press him on that. Yeah. You know, Jim, w- w- uh, Jim, there's always a theme at these uh, conferences. As you say, everybody comes there. M&A certainly always uh, can be something that is discussed as well, given how many members of the overall community are are at that conference. But what would you say the theme is? Is it around immunotherapy? The Journal had a story today about the differing ways that that, uh, that the companies are coming up in, in terms of allowing their customers and the health plans who cover their customers to pay for their drugs. Where are they focused? The theme is the consumerization. The consumer is rapidly being uh, put in charge. Now, why is that? you know, you got to figure out your Medicare Part G. Uh, what are you going to do? Remember, there's uh, 70 million baby boomers. Some people say only 50 million, but they're not looking at how many people have to start thinking about this. That is the most important thing, is that the customer matters. Uh, Immunotherapy, that was last year's uh, CAR-T last year. This year is okay. It's the consumer because the deductibles are too high. It's the consumer because so many people are in Medicare. It's the consumer because it's confusing, and the consumer has to start taking charge of what they want. That's why I have CVS on. That's the Charlie Victor kind. They are at the touch point of the consumer. They can tell us how much the consumer really is in charge of their own health care. It's a new theme, and it's working. Well, your point about retail, though, Jim, is, uh, is well taken. Five below, obviously, uh, on track for its worst days since 2015. Uh, looking for fourth quarter, 193 to 198 Street was at 202. Uh, they are blaming, Jim, the six fewer shopping days between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, overall sales, they say, did not meet our expectations. Kind of uh, flies in the face of Lulu, though. Uh, sees 222 to 225 Streets at 215. Yeah, I mean, look, it turns out it's high-end. High-end is doing well. I think RH, so Restoration Hardware, will tell you that. Uh, I'm waiting for Nordstrom, actually. They could tell you that. That, that kind of range of uh, five, six, seven, four bucks, really not doing that well. Some of this, I, I, I think that Five Below is trying to expand all over the place. But the customer, for them, for those six days, it turned out it just wasn't good enough. For other companies, in six days turned out to be a little better. Go back to Bed Bath & Beyond, of which just a huge amount of the float is short. 
Bed Bath & Beyond actually had good numbers during that period. So I think it is just the power of merchandising. Some merchants are doing better than others. I am really surprised that Five Below is not doing better because they had told you repeatedly that they were going to be able to navigate this period, and they didn't. I really question how they're doing. I also question whether Bed Bath's doing nearly as badly as people say, because Mark Tritton, who came from Target, I think is doing a far better job, and people have to start covering their shorts there. They're being ridiculous. This thing is going to work. Uh, not to mention Kohl's, uh, which is trying to find some stability here yeah, around 46 yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Gass did make some comments oh, in the fireside chat regarding Amazon traffic. Take a quick listen to that. So I get this question, is Amazon working? Amazon is working. This returns program is working. We're seeing the traffic. We're getting new customers. We're getting a younger customer. You know, and to what we expected, some of them are buying. You're never going to get 100%, but some of them are buying. All right, Jim, does that answer some no. of the questions you've no. had for her? No. They're not getting the darn traffic. They're not. These guys are living in a dream world. I know this because my Chapel Trust owns some, and it is killing me. They're not getting a customer. The customer's going right to Amazon, back of the store, really not looking at what Kohl's has. I think those guys have to wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, they really have their head in the sand. It is the plan is not bringing new people in. It was the traffic was the problem. They have to start owning up to how badly they're doing. The press releases are ridiculous. They are doing, I think, much more poorly than people realize. Uh, I put Kohl's in. They're not JCPenney. Nobody's JCPenney. But they are, well, maybe serious. But they're just not doing as well. I don't want to be mean. I'm not a meanie. I'm, my name is Jimmy Chill, for heaven's sake. But I'm not happy. <laughs> uh, there's some overall price levels that are interesting today. Beyond Meat, back above 100, David, for the first time since, I think, October. Of course, we all remember last week uh, when it was up some 27% for the week alone. And then you've got uh, Tesla, above 500 for the first time. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time just now with Jim talking uh, on the Mad Dash about Tesla and about that uh, increase in price target at Oppenheimer. But the stock's gone almost parabolic at this point, up, as Carl just said, roughly 5%, backing off the highs of this for this trading session so far, the first five minutes. Its market cap is over $90 billion. But Jim... That $10 number that you mentioned for 2021, which I guess is out there in print and some analysts, certainly got my attention. Well, it should because we were supposed to be worried about the balance sheet. If you have $10 per share, what the heck? Who cares about the balance sheet? That's never talked about. Elon Musk, I know he danced a jig, but you know what? He's not dancing a jig in Twitter. The guy has become kind of a, I don't know, he's, he's a statesman. Uh, and I know from someone who uh, is not a statesman, that this guy really is the real, he is the new face of an auto executive, which is that your car becomes an exciting place to be. Remember when Howard Schultz used to call Starbucks, which, by the way, suck in the airports, he used to say, you know what, Starbucks is the third place? Your car is your third place. I love sitting in a Tesla. And my daughter loves the flatulent seat. She kept sitting on it, pressing the button. I mean, I know it's a little odd, but the Tesla is the place. It's the third place to be. People love to be in it. And they've got autonomous driving. Oh, my, it's so exciting. On Beyond Meat, that is an ecosystem. You know what people are talking about Beyond Meat? They're talking about India. India. There's an untapped market for them. That's right, because they're vegetarian. Well, yeah, they don't eat cows. Sacred. Sacred. Well, they hate cows. I mean, they're sacred cows. I mean, I don't mean they hate them. I mean, they love them. You know what I mean? They love them. Remember, cows produce the most methane. Cows are really, 
I tell you, I know that they're natural, but boy, they are methane producers. Hard to justify. There's a lot of methane coming out of small sorts of ways. I mean, the flaring that's going on that you've talked about so often is only increasing and is now uh, not even being yeah, monitored anymore by the EPA. That. I'm not sure, but yeah. Well, look, that flaring is, I mean, it, it is obscene how much flaring. I had Parsley Energy on last week. They are trying to get it to 5% flare. They told me there's 30%. Some guys are doing 30%. And a lot of people on Twitter told me, you know what, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but it is heavily regulated. Heavily regulated by who? I'm regulating it more than they are. David, I think the president may be pro-flare for all I know. I, he, I believe he may very well be. Any environmental regulations, for the most part, uh, that were perceived to stand in the way of economic growth in some fashion have been uh, or, or are planned to be eliminated, Carl. Even uh, as the latest... Or rolled back yeah. is, a, is, a, is, a, is a better way to right. put it. As recently right. as last week, yes. where the president said in some cases it takes a decade to build a road. For, that was about infrastructure, but a, a law that's been in place for, what, 40 or 50 years... Obviously, the EPA started under Nixon. But, yeah, the rollbacks have been quite significant, Jim. It's unclear exactly how much they've added to economic growth overall. Uh, but you mentioned flaring, and certainly that's, uh, that's going on a lot. But it also speaks to the plethora of natural gas in this country, which we've talked so often about. Right. One would expect you could find some places, perhaps, that could use incredibly cheap energy. Maybe you can start all the server farms down near where they're flaring all this gas and run them all on natural gas. Uh, the server farms don't want natural gas, David. The, the server farms, they want solar. Uh, and and right. the guys who do solar uh, are, are winners. Or the guys who have, they also like uh, hydro. Hey, here's one, David. I'm going to throw one at you, okay? How about when the president goes uh, to Davos, which you and I don't go, and I think that's not because of your old hat, David. Everyone remembers that. Uh, the reason why, one of the things he could do is throw a bomb, and the bomb would be, Germany, you use our LNG instead of supporting the Russians with Gazprom. Mm-hmm. David, I think they're going to use bomb thrones by the president. Well, they'll be bomb throwing. And one of them is going to be, use our LNG. And we have enough of it that we can undercut anything that Gazprom does. Plus, I mean, shouldn't we be pro-U.S. versus pro-Russia? It's going to be a continual theme. I think that the next big stumbling block that the market is going to have to deal with is the idea that the president says, we're sick of Europe. Think of that. Yeah, well, that's, that's been an issue. Uh, certainly anybody who wants to drink French wine is aware of it. Uh, indeed. And if it's not that, it's Sanders running number one in Iowa, as we found out uh, from the Des Moines Register poll on Friday. That's going to get interesting. Let's get to the bond pitch this morning. Check in with Rick Santelli at the CME. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Well, it is going to be a big week. We get some big data points and, of course, the signing of phase one. And the more details we get on it, it actually looks like there, there may be some good surprises in there regarding uh, intellectual property and how to protect it. Look at an intraday of tens. Long end is firming up just a bit. Curve re-steepening just a bit. Short end like a two-year note unchanged up a couple on tens. If you look at a chart from July on 10 years, this is fascinating. We're basically in the middle. Okay? You look at that big move we had, so we're around, what, 214, last time we were over 2%, about 147 on the bottom. The average, the middle of that, is right around the low 180s, which has really been sort of home base. However, home base is definitely on the move. Goalposts are moving in Europe. Look at intraday of Boone deals. Yes, minus 16. 
You know, a close here would be the best since May, as you see on this chart. And finally, let's get back to that dollar versus yuan. Uh, we continue to monitor onshore and offshore, and it continues to trade quite firm in favor of the yuan. Jim, uh, weather's much better where you're at than in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is where you have to be. This is the place you have to be. And one of the reasons why you have to be here is we have Dr. Giovanni Cafario. Uh, and he is the CEO of what I call the new Bristol-Myers. Giovanni, great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, thanks for having me here. You know what? A lot of companies use this conference as a place to pre-announce much better than expected earnings. They come on TV and they do that. I think right now the combination of Bristol-Myers and Celgene should allow you to pre-announce a better than expected quarter right here, right now. You know, Jim, we met, uh, you and I met in uh, November right after the close. I actually feel better about where we are uh, today that even uh, in November. Well, we, are, we are a new Bristol-Myers Quibbon, a great company. We're a growth company. We're very well positioned for today and for the future. We have strong performance in our business. Is it the uh, change from six big drugs in the pipeline to eight big drugs in the pipeline, or is it earnings per share and the estimates are too low right now? Well, first of all, we had great performance commercially with our franchises in 19. We are entering 2020 with great momentum. We have eight launches that we're preparing for. That's unprecedented. They're all first-in-class medicines, best-in-class medicines, areas of high unmet medical need. We have great commercial capabilities, eight launches in 24 months. Uh, I am pretty confident we're going to do a really good job there. And in the long term, the broadest, the deepest pipeline in the industry, we have tremendous financial flexibility. We'll continue to do business development, uh, as you know we can do. There are great people at Bristol Myers Web. I know you were a strong believer in the deal from the beginning. There are more opportunities to be optimistic today than there were last year when we were here. You announced it last year, stock around 45. I said, you got to be a believer. This is Bristol Myers, next generation. And speaking of that, the one thing that no one talks about, you have a drug called Eloquence. And yet people just say, ah, you know, it's some drug. Look, we can focus on a loss of exclusivity with Revlimid. We can talk about some of the problems that Bristol-Myers has in terms of uh, competition. Eloquist, talk about the lack of competition, competition on what may be one of your biggest drugs. It is one of our biggest drugs. It's a leading medicine in a growing market. And so we've done a great job because of the profile of Eloquist to establish it as a leading agent uh, globally. There are further opportunities for growth. We're continuing to replace warfarin which was the old standard of care. But there are many patients that are not yet being diagnosed. There are many patients that are not being treated. There is tremendous opportunities for growth with Eliquis. And remember, we have an early program in our pipeline, the Factor 11A. Uh, we are continuing to develop that asset. That has great promise. Uh, and it can take our cardiovascular franchise into the future. So great prospects there. But you have an amazing oncological, uh, really just an incredible franchise. But the pricing, I keep hearing at the hospital level, there is a major level of price increase in so-called the last 10 days of life. Is there any way to get that under control? And it, does that have anything to do with how much you charge? Well, first of all, let me say, when you look at the facts, Jim, in 2018, uh, pharmaceuticals spend only increased 2.5%. The issue really is that over the last few years, Patients now spend 50% more on medicines because of the way benefits are designed. And so 
What's important is to make sure that we develop policies that help with the affordability of medicines for patients. That's very important for us. We are the number one cancer company in the world. We are developing some really exciting medicines. I think it's important they reach patients. So those are the types of things and the types of reforms uh, that we're discussing. I think it's really important for an innovation company like Bristol Myers Squibb. I think there are a lot of people who feel that Merck has leaped you with Key Truda. The combination of Opdivo and your voice seems to be every bit as good in a lot of cancers. Uh, is there really a, a, a gap between you and Merck? Or are you uh, a, very close, a very close race between each other? Well, I think uh, the two studies that we had in 2019 in first-line lung cancer for Opdivo plus Yervoy, what we are hearing from physicians, they're very excited about it. Obviously, lung cancer is very competitive, but the depth and durability of response of immune oncology Remember, that's what offers patients the, the possibility for long-term survival. I think we'll have a really important role to play in first-line lung cancer with Obdivo and Yervoy. And then beyond that, we have a really broad program. You and I have discussed this before. The next wave of growth for immune oncology is what are called the, the adjuvant setting, treating patients early. Our development program there is very broad. We have a large number of studies ongoing. Three studies will read out this year. So I look at Obdivo as a growing franchise. We're doing really well. Uh, Dr. Kafaro, Dr. one of the things that I, I, I loved about the deal, but a lot of uh, institutional share, shareholders were skeptical about, is accretion. You talked about 40% accretion, $2.5 billion in synergies. Everyone is so worried, again, about the Revlimid franchise and that you pay too much. The next couple of years could be a dramatic debt pay down because things are working so so good together. Well, I agree. And in fact, uh, the company has tremendous financial power and flexibility because of the strong performance of the business. We've just executed a $7 billion uh, share repurchase program. We've increased our dividend by 10%. We are going to have an opportunity to pay down the debt and go back to less than 1.5 debt to EBITDA ratio by 2023. These are all things we discussed year a year ago. Uh, And uh, we're on track with the $2.5 billion in synergies. At the same time, we're executing really well on the value drivers of the deal, which is the pipeline that is progressing well. Are you surprised? I know the job and you're going to tell me, listen, my job's drugs, not stock. But are you surprised at how inexpensive your stock is, given the fact that you've changed your profile and it really, especially because of Tesla, which you had to divest, your balance sheet's far better than people realize? Well, there is great momentum in the company. And uh, uh, when we look at the conversations we're having with investors, uh, since we've closed the deal, the value of the new Bristol Myers Squibb is becoming really clear. My focus is on creating value for shareholders in the long term. We've made great progress in 2019, but I think 2020 is going to be an even more important year. I think we're really well positioned. It's going to be an exciting year for us. Well, I totally agree with you, Dr. Giovanni Cafario. Thank you so much for coming on Squawk on the Street. Back thank to you, you guys. Jim. All right, Jim, our thanks to you. Jim's going to have a lot more from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Summit uh, all week long. In the meantime, uh, keep your eye on the market. Dow's up 54 points. Uh, Jim's going to have Glaxo tonight on Mad Money, the CEOs of Zoetis and CVS Health. Back in a minute. We're going to watch a market cap of Alphabet here, $986 billion, obviously just a stone's throw from a trillion as it tries to join some other mega cap tech in that club. Uh, Dow's up 42 points. We're back in a moment. 
What a weekend of football uh, in the past couple of days as the Packers end the Seahawks season. Marshawn Lynch gave a press conference last night when the conversation turned to money. It's a vulnerable time for a lot of these young dudes, you feel me? They don't be taking care of their chicken right. I tell y'all right now while y'all in it, take care of y'all bread. So when y'all done, go ahead and take care of yourself. Uh, Jim, I know uh, helping NFL players manage their uh, resources long term is one of your one of your strengths. Yeah, Coach Reed, uh, of course, laid a Philadelphia. Congratulations, Coach and Tammy. Uh, asked me, listen, what can you do? Uh, he actually gave my cell phone number. He said, listen, anybody who wants help for the Eagles, anybody who wants help, Kramer's there. He doesn't want your money, doesn't want anything. Uh, only uh, two players took me up on it, and I think it's a sign that they think, well, listen, my agent is going to take care of me. I mean, jeez. One of the agents put a lot of money, made these players be in a, a scam, a real estate scam. These players need to be educated, and they can't let their agents do it because the agents are not responsible when it comes to money. Yeah. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing action. One of my favorite weekends, though, is the divisional because there's so much great ball, as we saw in some of those games. It was. Over the weekend. I mean, I have to say, last weekend's games in many ways may have been a little bit more exciting, although that comeback was incredible by Kansas yeah. City down 24 nothing. But I'm looking forward to next weekend. I mean, you got the matchups. You certainly could, uh, couldn't have asked for more. It's going to be great. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Well, David, D- David, by yes. the way, the Hexel deal with Woodward, it was announced while, get this, it was literally yeah. announced. Uh, while you had the, the Texans up by 24. And, and I said, guys, well, you, I, I got to talk to you later. I think there's a comeback of a lifetime. That was happening. <laughs> We've got so much on tonight. We got Gla- we have GlaxoSmithKline. We have Zoetis. Uh, it, it is, I think, going to be um, a lot of people going to say, wait a second. Uh, numbers are too low. And, of course, CBS is going to be extraordinary. Larry Merlot, I think, can tell us the numbers are too low. I don't even think $7. I think they can do more than that. By the way, Jim, that hex sells up about 10%. A good response to that merger. Of course! David, Jim, we'll see you very soon. It's incredible. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.